I'm Dick Summer, and it's time to say goodnight. This is a quiet place to rest your head, a safe place to hide a hurting heart, a gentle place to fall. We just call this place goodnight. So much to tell you about while I'm sitting here in my big, black, comfortable leather papa chair and in the living room right next to the Christmas tree. And the Christmas tree scent, the smell do to you what it does to me, <laughs> brings me back, all the way back to the first bike under the tree and expression on my dad's face and, and mom's smile. And the first Christmas that I spent with my lady Wonder Wench. We'll tell you about that in a little while. A lot of things have been said about Christmas. You know, and a lot of people are talking about Santa Claus. A lot of people talking about the religious aspects of it. And Karen Carpenter once had a song, The Christmas Cards Have All Been Sent, you know. Maybe you're in that kind of a situation. Maybe your Christmas cards have all been sent and or you're not going to send any or whatever. But it's a time of year when you might want to add one more Christmas card. And here's the address. A recovering American soldier, care of Walter Reed Army Medical Center, 6900 Georgia Avenue Northwest, Washington, D.C., 20307. I'll give you the address again in a couple of seconds. Or Actually, I guess you could just rewind the podcast and pick it up, but it's a recovering American soldier, care of Walter Reed Army Medical Center, 6900 Georgia Avenue Northwest, Washington, D.C., 20307. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Christmas with my lady Wonder Wench. And some of you are going to be listening to this while you're alone, and, and you're going to be saying, that's a little much because uh, I am alone. And I want you to know I'm sorry that you're alone. I've been alone some Christmases, too, and so is my lady Wonder Wench. I caught her once while we were not supposed to be together, and she was sitting in her apartment, and she didn't have a Christmas tree and everything. And so I... I took her by the hand and we went out and we, we got a tree and we decorated it and we both know what it is like being alone on a, on a Christmas trust me so uh, you have a little company from that perspective and I'm just going to tell you what it's like for us for my lady wonder wench and me so take a deep breath have a little sip of eggnog and sit back and let me tell you how it started Bike bells, doorbells, typewriter bells, fire bells, alarm clock bells. Bells trickle through the calendar, tinkling down the days almost ignored until November dies. And then the school bells, timer bells, cash register bells all sing the sound of the season. Big bells, baby bells, telephone bells. Telephone bells. They are the ones that give a glisten to the silver Christmas air. It was in an icicled outdoor telephone booth with the door frozen open and a small snowdrift in the coin return slot that I called to ask if you wanted to go Christmas shopping. And you said yes, 
in a voice that curled around and into my ear, moist and warm from inside you. It was like slowly pressing my foot into a warmed, fur-lined bedroom slipper. That was the first time I ever really enjoyed the bustle of shopping. And when we finished, we stood in the brilliant cold to watch the flashing Christmas tree lights in the park. The reflections made candlelit stained glass windows of your eyes. And right there, in the swirl of gold wrapping paper and red ribbon bows and the tumble of the hustling crowd while your arms were trapped under the bundles of Christmas gifts that we just bought, I said, Merry Christmas, and kissed you. It took you by surprise. You flicked your eyelashes wide enough for me to look at something that few women ever show a man. For as long as it took my breath to melt the snowflake from your wind-tangled hair, you slipped out of the delicate black lace of feminine mystery. Your eyes fed me the full, round, warm honey of your most personal love. And I think it was just my breath that painted pink frost crystals on your cheek. You just closed your eyes and stood there in an almost holy silence. And that's how we rode home that blizzard night, the car's heater thawing the scent of green pine from your fur collar. We were so close that I didn't even want the crunching of footsteps in the snow between us. So I carried you from the car to the house, the flowered tops of your nylons blooming in the snow falling on my corduroy coat sleeve, the jingle bells of my keys sounding the start of our first Christmas together. After unbuttoning our snowy clothes and rubbing our backs on the black velvet dark of our quiet room, you pressed the pink curves of your breasts and shoulders to my chest. You said it made you warm. friend Dick Stadlin takes a lot of pride in wrapping his Christmas presents. He does it enthusiastically, if not very well, like most guys. Dick claims you can't be a cynic while you wrap pretty paper around a box just so somebody else can tear it off a little while later. His lady Diane doesn't give him a hard time because she loves him, even though the results of his wrapping often look like green and red spitballs. Dick says if there had been wrapping paper at the first Christmas, the Gospel of Matthew would have said, and lo, the Magi's gifts were inside 600 square cubits of paper, and the paper was festooned with pictures of Frosty the Snowman, and Joseph was going to throw it away. But Mary saith unto him, Holdeth it, just a minute, that's nice paper, save it for next year. And Joseph did roll with his eyeballs, and the baby Jesus was much more interested in the paper than in the frankincense. The Salvation Army volunteers are out again this year, and they're, they're making their music, some of them bravely blowing their trumpets and trombones right into the winter wind, and some others just ringing a little bell and, and smiling. They don't do it for pay. They do it because they love Christmas. 
One bitter Boston winter, a long time ago, Salvation Army rescued Christmas for a very little girl. Her dad was out of work. Things were tight for her and her mom and her brothers. Well, that little girl is all grown up now. She's beautiful. She's graced my life for a long time, and I love her very much. So, for taking care of my lady long before I could, thank you, Christmas. My dad was a church choir master in Brooklyn. He had more than 40 men and women in his choir and a whole bunch of kids. And he made it a point to have people sing carols from their family's country of origin. Remember a rather hefty soprano lady by the name of Anna who worked in a card shop and she sang Carol of the Bells from her native Russia. Skinny little Jack who did graphics design as he sang What Child Is This? Because his family came from England. The only time I ever saw my proud, tough old German grandfather cry was one Christmas Eve when Dad had the choir sing the second verse of Silent Night in German. Stille Nacht, Heilige Nacht. My grandfather left his home in Germany shortly before World War II. He saw Hitler coming and he wasn't having any of what that meant. Stille Nacht brought him home for a moment. His tears were bittersweet. That's the way it is sometimes when you get to go home, but it's only for a moment. It's always good to go home, even if it's only for a moment. Grosspapa, we called him. He was a good, loving, hard, proud man. And he didn't hide the tears when they came. He just stood there with his head held high and sang along. Stille Nacht, Heilige Nacht. Going home. Having a home to go to. Thanks again, Christmas. Whatever you are. You know, one of the things that they don't talk about very much having to do with Christmas is tears. Big boys don't cry, you know, but big men do. And that's part of Christmas, too, some tears. Joseph couldn't have been overjoyed to have his wife give birth to a child in a stable. And childbirth is never an easy thing for any woman or any man who loves his woman. So tears belong in Christmas. And any of you guys who think that's unmanly, I give you one statement from the Bible. It's the shortest statement in the Bible. It just says, Jesus wept. So go ahead, duke it out with him. And lots of luck. And Merry Christmas. My dad was a church choir master in Brooklyn, New York, and he took his whole choir all around the neighborhood during the week before Christmas. Folks looked forward to it all year long. Whole blocks full of people would gather around the choir, and and mostly they'd sing along. Christians, Jews, Muslims, Buddhists, pagans, even the atheists. All kinds of people lived in our neighborhood in Brooklyn. And they all sang, and they all smiled, and they all wished each other very much peace and goodwill. Christmas and Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Solstice was all there mixed up in the music and the smiles and the warmth of standing close together in the cold night. Music and being close together, that's a big part of whatever Christmas is. 
When all those people gathered together to sing with Dad's choir all those years ago, the Christians, the Jews, the Muslims, the pagans, even the atheists, and I don't think many of those people were really thinking about Christ. And they sure weren't thinking about shopping. They were just standing close enough together to, to keep warm in the cold Brooklyn night and singing and laughing and sometimes crying for reasons that nobody ever had to explain. What a feeling that was for me, standing right next to my dad. I sang baritone, he sang bass. Dad's gone now, but not completely. Is that feeling of standing next to him and singing is still right here with me. It's mixed all the way down deep in the music of Christmas. My lady and I went for our traditional just-before-Christmas flight in our little airplane the other night. We have a little four-seat airplane that flies low and slow. Our friends all think we're out there looking for Santa Claus, but we're not. I guess you could say we're looking for gold, and we got lucky again this year. Our little airport's just a few miles west of Philadelphia, and as usual on a cold, clear, almost Christmas night when my lady and I got there, it was dark and deserted except for the white runway lights and the, the blue lights along the taxiways and, and the spotlight on the windsock. So we strapped ourselves in, fired up the engine, and climbed up into the black-and-white magic midnight. If you heard a small plane engine late the other night and you looked up and you saw small wingtip lights playing in the stars, that might have been us. Moonlight was shining into the cockpit and... The city's Christmas lights were sliding under our wings. Those city lights were Santa Claus bright. You'd almost hear the ho-ho-ho and the hustle and the crowds and the music and the parties going on down there, but we weren't looking for Santa Claus. So we turned out over the suburbs, and the lights got gentler out there in the neighborhoods. And instead of the city hustle and bustle, you know, the jingle bell sounds, you, you, you get houses carefully decorated with Christmas lights. And you get a feeling of, of carols playing on stereos and, and fancy paper wrapping around personal presents and cups of hot chocolate with cold whipped cream and, and kids trying to pretend they're really asleep. Then a little farther out, we floated over some farms, mostly Amish, real candles in the windows there, a few horse-drawn wagons down on the streets. You could see their lanterns swinging from side to side on those dark roads. It's almost like flying backward in time. It was quiet. So very quiet. My lady was sitting in the right seat, looking like a lovely little girl in the moonlight, just wearing those big co-pilot headphones. And she was smiling and crying at the same time, and that's, that's when she did it again. She said, thank you for this. I love you. And as quietly as the sound of ancient angels, the black and white midnight turned into Christmas gold.
Merry Christmas. Merry, Merry Christmas.